And welcome back to the Crown Rest Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to episode 139 of the audio experience for basketball officials. Up next, we have Rules Talk episode five, featuring our good friend Zach Murphy, who is going to be informing us of some team control situations. Just to give you a heads up, we do put out a weekly newsletter every Sunday or Monday, which features all of our content in one place. So if you've missed any posts, any articles, any podcasts from that week, it's a great way to be informed of all the new content that Crown Refs has. So I hope you check that out. You can text serve the game one word to number 22828. So take out your phone, text serve the game to number 22828. We'd love to add you to our list and do me a favor. Have a great rest of your day. And Zach, take it away. Thank you for listening to Rules Talk on Crown Reps with Zach Murphy. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Rules Talk. And today we're going to be talking about team control. When does it start? When does it end? And why do we really need to know that? Team control is an aspect of this game that many of us may ignore sometimes, including myself, and that's unfortunate because there are a multitude of situations that occur every game that do involve team control, and I know it would be almost impossible to memorize every situation that involves team control and its proper adjudication, which is why I wanted to talk about team control and make sure that we all understand that, because knowledge and understanding of a concept is vastly better than memorization. So, first things first, when does team control start? If you've got your rulebook handy, I'm on page 31 of the NFHS rulebook, and I'm looking in section 12 here, control, player, and team. We know that team control exists when there is player control. And from reading article 1, we know that a player is in control of the ball when he or she is holding or dribbling a live ball. And that's simple enough, we know that. This is expanded in article 2, a team is in control of the ball, when a player of that team is in control, like we just said, while a live ball is being passed among teammates, during an interrupted dribble, or when a player of that team has disposal of the ball for a throw-in. In Article 3, team control continues until the ball is in flight during a try or tap for field goal, an opponent secures control of the ball, or the ball becomes dead. Article 4. While the ball remains live, a loose ball always remains in control of the team whose player last had control, unless it's a try or tap for goal. Article 5 says team control does not exist during a jump ball or the touching of a rebound, but it is re-established when a player secures control. And finally, Article 6, neither team nor player control exists during a dead ball, a jump ball, or when the ball is in flight during a try or tap for a field goal. So that's it. These are all our articles that involve team control. Doesn't seem like a lot, but there are a ton of scenarios that fall within this umbrella. So I'm going to go ahead and throw some case plays at you guys to make you think about team control. For this first one, let's say both teams are in the bonus. Let's say A1 is dribbling in her front court, and she accidentally bounces the ball off her leg. Now the ball is loose, and A1 and B1 are both going to attempt to secure the loose ball. And during this, A1 fouls B1. Do we shoot any bonus free throws? The answer here is no. Remember Article 2? 
a team remains in control of the ball during an interrupted dribble, and when A1 accidentally dribbled off her leg, that was an interrupted dribble. Because team control was maintained during the interrupted dribble, and A1 fouled B1 during team control, it's a team control foul. So we're not going to shoot any bonus free throws. This type of play or something similar, I would assume, happens very often, and I don't know how often that we get this right. Now, this is being very nitpicky on the rules, but great rules knowledge is something that separates great officials from good officials. So next time you're in the bonus, or really any time during your game, make sure you're thinking about team control, because if you are, you'll get a play like this right. My second case play here is a fun one. I've never seen it in a game, but just for conceptual purposes, we're going to talk about it. So, let's say we're in the front court. A1's try somehow rebounds into the backcourt, and A2 is the first to recover. Is this a backcourt violation? The answer is no, because team control ended on the try or tap for goal, and the rebound into A's backcourt was not in control of either team. So this was a legal play. A2 can bring the ball across the division line, and we're just going to play on. My third case play also involves backcourt violation. So let's say we're in the front court. A1 is throwing the ball in, and let's say they throw a long pass. A2 touches the ball before it goes across the division line, and then A3 recovers that pass. Is this a backcourt violation? Maybe you guessed it by now. The answer is no. And the reasoning behind this is pretty simple. Where is the ball located when A1 is attempting to throw the ball in? Is it in the front court or the back court? Kind of a trick question. It's neither. The ball is out of bounds. And the ball does not have front court status. This is why you can throw the ball from out of bounds into the back court and there's no violation. That same concept applies here. So when A2 taps the ball and it goes across the division line, there was never team control established in the front court. It was a tap. The ball was loose. There was no team control. So when A3 recovers the ball in the backcourt, we have finally established team control, and that team control was established in the backcourt. So this is a legal play. You might have fans and coaches going crazy, but again, this is a legal play. Now my last set of case plays involves the three-second count. This seems to be a fan favorite, you know, to yell at us when they want a violation. And I think that comes from an incomplete understanding of the rule. So that's why we're going to talk about it today. So for the first case play, about three seconds, let's talk about a throw-in. A1 has a throw-in under the basket, and A2 remains in the lane for four seconds of the five seconds that A1 is allowed to throw the ball in. Is this a violation? The answer is no. The three-second count only occurs when there is team control in A's front court, and team control has not been legally established in the front court. We can't count for three seconds. It's the same concept as the reason why you wouldn't call three seconds in transition when team A is bringing the ball up court during a press and let's say A5 is in the paint. You're not going to call three seconds because team control has not been established in the front court yet. Same thing here. We can use similar reasoning to talk about our final case play for the day, and that's three seconds on multiple shot attempts. That's my unofficial title. So, for example, A1 goes up for a shot, the shot rebounds, A2 gets the rebound, shoots, misses, A3 gets that rebound, shoots, misses, and let's say they're all in the paint during that entire time, 
and that whole uh, whole segment takes, I don't know, 10 seconds. Even though the players remained in the lane the entire time, we cannot continue a three-second count if there's no team or player control. So when the shot goes up, we know that there's no team control, and we would halt our three-second count. Second time when A2 gets the rebound, puts it up, there's no team control, team control ended again, we're going to halt our three-second count. And the same thing, one more time, A3 gets the rebound, puts the shot back up, our three-second count is now suspended, and if another rebound occurs, we're going to restart that three-second count, but this can continue infinitely as long as no player controls the ball and then remains in the lane for three seconds, you get the picture. This is the reason that the three-second count resets on a shot attempt, is because team control ends. And so if you have a coach asking, hey, their players, they sat in the lane all night. They got 10 rebounds. Why was that not three seconds? You have the answer in your back pocket. Thank you guys for tuning in to today's episode. I know it was a little bit shorter of an episode, but I think today's discussion was really helpful. It was helpful for me. Uh, You know, I learned a few things. I refreshed on a few things. And hopefully you took something home from this as well. So, again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for taking some time out of your day to think about officiating. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to the Crown Refs Podcast. Serve the game.